Towards the end of the 2000s, you stop really expecting a lot from the genre of rom-coms. But one year, 2008, seems extremely significant to our podcast. So far, we've done Twilight, Four Christmases, Maid of Honor, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and today's movie, 27 Dresses, all of which were made in 2008. Not only that, there's a bunch of movies on our list that are from 2008 that we haven't watched yet. What was it about this year where people were like, let's give it another shot? You know, we seem to be going out there for a second, but let's jump right back in the genre. I, I don't know. Um, maybe maybe 2007 was a particularly depressing year, and everybody's like, we need a little bit more love in our lives. I mean, there was, I do seem to remember around this time, there was another big market crash. And what do you know, this year, there seems to be another big market crash, and we are getting quite a few rom-coms. I don't know. You know, it's just, I don't know, maybe conspiracy theories here, but regardless, 27 Dresses seems to be a surprising contender for a good rom-com. It's not doing anything super special, but it was extremely enjoyable despite that. And I do really think it is the other movie besides Knocked Up that shows Katherine Heigl's rom-com chops. So sit back and relax and um, try not to get chafed as we try on all these dresses. Da 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 Love, it's the gentleman's guide to rom-coms. <laughs> that sounds like a monkey getting tickled. Ooh, 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 ooh. I kind of sounded like the monkeys right there. Yeah, I mean, if you really think about it, my, like I sounded really good singing. Like Mickey Dolan's monkeys? Um, yeah. Peter Tork? Yeah, but like the way they sound in the 2000s when they're like, you know, really coming back into it. <laughs> they're Me all... and Magdalena era. <laughs> I love the monkeys, man. I love the monkeys too. My, actually, I think mine and Robin's song is a monkey song. I mean, it's really a zombie song, but it's a monkey song. Have you ever seen Head? It's the monkey movie. I was going to make a joke, <laughs> but no, I haven't actually. That was kind of why it... they called it Head. Really? Well, yeah. So the, the... But the monkeys, Ryan, are nice boys. Okay, check it out. So the monkeys. Yeah. Uh, you know the monkeys. Play the song. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. And people say we monkey around. They, the they are a non-real band that became a real band eventually um the monkeys were invented by this producer who i'm running a blank on right now but he went on to make a bunch of classic 1970s movies um like uh jack nicholson films such as the first uh, the last detail no the other one i'm kicking myself for not knowing one it. floor was a cuckoo's nest hold on this is precisely why I have the Criterion Collection. Five easy pieces. Oh, okay. The producer. That was my next guess. <laughs> the producer's name is Bob Rafelson. He invented the monkeys. He's a TV executive mm-hmm. who invented the monkeys, and then he went on to make um, Five Easy Pieces with Jack Nicholson, a bunch of other great movies in the 1970s. So when they, the studio, wanted to make a monkeys movie, mm-hmm. the monkeys hired to co-write their script. They hired Jack Nicholson. Wow. to write the script and what they did is all the monkeys and jack nicholson hold out hold up hold themselves up in like some some dude's house got really high and wrote the script and 
if you watch the movie, it looks like a movie made by really, really high people. See, this is something that you'd expect the Beatles did for Hard Day's Night, but yeah. but it's so good that you know that they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they called it Head, apparently. I, I don't know how true this is, but I think it's pretty true. They called it Head because they wanted to make a sequel to the movie because the, the Beatles made a bunch of movies. They did Hard Day Night. They did Help. They did... Yellow Submarine. Yeah. They did a bunch of movies. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to, for the sequel, have the advertiser go... From the producers who gave you head. <laughs> I, I, I believe that's the story. I might be wrong. There might be some other reason. And I think there's a built-in reason to the movie to justify why it's called head. But I think that was the secret reason why they did it. Wow. But it's a fun trip. Like, Is if it? you want to watch, like, a portrait of the 60s that's got really great music and it's just a romp portrait, it's fun a portrait of the 60s <laughs> is a young decade yeah it's a fun thing to like i would put it on at a party like if you're really? having people over just throw it on because it's you visually know, interesting and the music's good one of my favorite houses to ever go visit uh, and the only blu-ray slash dvd collection that outdoes yours is our buddy derek's mm-hmm. And Derek uh, has a podcast of his own, uh, Psychotronicast, if you're into old Italian sexy movies or like crazy giallo films, that's the way to go. Go over to Psychotronicast. You won't find them here, (laughs) but I'm glad he loves them. But you go over to Derek's after like hanging out at bars all night and Derek just has like a million movies and so he just grabs a random one and he always did this so well where he'd put on the perfect movie in the background where if you wanted to watch a weird movie it would be there for you Mm -hmm. but if you just wanted it as like cool background noise while you were all hanging out talking it was there yeah you know just being i mean what it's like it was kind of like the equivalent of a jukebox yeah but at Derek's house i mean that's how i treat a lot of the rom-coms that i have on blu-ray is that like a lot of them aren't so good that you want to rewatch it and pay really close attention. Sure. But the vibes are nice and I like to just kind of throw it on. Just yeah. kind of have it on while I'm cleaning or doing yeah. chores or something and Theo and I are just kind of like shooting the breeze. Uh, I can't do that right now with because my my baby doesn't my baby wakes up too much. She'll like, she'll give you an opportunity. If, eventually come. eventually she'll be there, but like like if I did that at all, there would eventually be a time where like she would have to nurse and then yeah. Robin would be nursing her and she she does this thing where she like snaps off the boob and like looks around at the world oh, and is yeah. like you got to wow. not distract them. Yeah, I I like walk about that. I'll walk so quiet. I won't make a noise and then she'll like feel me with the force and she'll turn around and be like I see you. And I see you, sir. They'll just rip off the boob and it'll be like ah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that feels like. I can imagine. Mm. I'm sorry, Robin. Sorry. All moms. All moms everywhere. Uh, oh, also to all moms everywhere. I'm sorry. You're like if you're if you have formula. Sorry. Right now, I'm sorry about the shortage. That sucks. It like, does suck. I want to also give props to my wife. You're you're trying to get milk to so those moms in need. I love you. You're, mm-hmm. you're great. We you're didn't cool realize lady. how awesome uh, milk banks are, and that that's not possible for every mom sure. out there. But yeah. it's really cool. That it that's is there because yeah. we needed it when we first came home for the hospital. We needed uh, donated milk. So yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wait. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Ryan, did you uh, did you see any cool movies this week or anything? Yeah, anything speaking you want to update? Speaking of transitions, speaking of segues, 
<laughs> I, mean, I don't know what I'm just asking you a question. Um, yeah, I went to the movie that you uh, respectfully declined not to go to with me last night. Well, I, I thought you cool. were going to see three movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to see. I went to a movie called The Heroic Trio, and I told Kelly a few like a few nights ago. I'm like, "Do you want to go see The Heroic Trio?" And Kelly's like, "No." <laughs> so, as you as you said it to me though, like if if I want to go see The Heroic Trio, it sounds like a a thruple of movies yeah. that were made over the course of ten years or something. Yeah, and it's it's like going to see the um, the colors trio. Yeah, or it sounds like like an anime trilogy. If if this if Star Wars was an anime trilogy, it'd be called like the heroic the heroic trio. trio. Yeah, and so I I I don't have time for that. <laughs> I used to, and I might again one day, but I don't right now. Totally, I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, I went to the heroic trio. At, Which is of one movie, a uh, single film, the heroic trio, but it stars a trio of women: mm-hmm. um, Michelle Yeoh, Maggie Chung, and Anita Moy. Um, I think I'm saying that right. Moy. My? Oh, she'll write in. If oh. not. Please correct me. <laughs> uh, at the Hollywood Theater, uh, it was beautiful, pristine uh, restoration. It's a Hong Kong film from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote about this on Patreon, so you might be getting double dip stories. Get so, at it. But uh, I had a great time. Mm-hmm. I love Kung Fu cinema, Hong Kong Kung Fu cinema. Excuse me. <laughs> Kung Fu. <laughs> Kung I, Fu. Okay, I like that. Uh, I think it's really fun. The, the thing about kung fu cinema is that it's very cheesy and it it knows it mm-hmm. but it's very sincere like they're well, on, on the flip side of that coin there's everything about it is sincere like there's even the cheese yeah and like there's there's scenes where they're flipping motorcycles at each other and it flies at them like frisbees and it's it's absurd i did see in the trailer like somebody splits a bullet with some like yeah throwing daggers yeah it's yeah. so cool it's yeah. so much fun but there's also like every kung fu cinema movie has like the romance part mm-hmm. and it's super sappy it's mm-hmm. like it's like attack of the clones sappy it, it, it's it's not it's not done with like a subtle hand it's it's heavy-handed the music is gushing sure. and it's super it's super gushy um Ooh. <laughs> i went to this movie in a theater in a theater with lots of people mm-hmm. and they were laughing at the motorcycle flying at people and all that stuff and i was like laughing i'm like yeah this is awesome this is ridiculous but then the sappy parts happened and people were laughing at that too mm-hmm. now is this just a case of laughter being infectious <sighs> it's it's that junior high thing where it's the kissy bits mm-hmm. and like the sixth graders seventh graders are just kind of laughing nervously at it because mm-hmm. they think it's silly uh-huh. and yeah, it's I get it. Sure. It's silly. Uh-huh. It is silly. But but it's also nice. The movie is being really sincere in this. It's mm-hmm. not winking. It's not the room. It's not uh-huh. Tommy Tommy Wiseau. The movie is being very Well, like, that upfront. movie wasn't winking either. <laughs> no, I know. But now Tommy Wiseau is like I meant to do that. It's like sure. 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 Uh but I'm just kind of a little mad at the entire audience for not taking those <laughs> moments seriously because it's very open-hearted filmmaking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and which I like. I m- my favorite filmmaking is open-hearted. Yeah, filmmaking. and yeah, it's clumsy. Yeah, it's it's like it's totally like Attack of the Clones. It's totally clumsy, but it is from a sincere artist. And so, you going to laugh at the artist when they're putting their heart out there just made me really mad at everyone there. I really wanted to turn next to my whoever was sitting next to me, who was yawning throughout the whole thing. Wait, so the, you had the opposite problem with them. <laughs> yeah, that guy was, <laughs> that guy's problem was. Um, but I really wanted to ask him, like, why are they laughing? Because, like, I, I just was, like, I was invested. Even though it was super cheesy, I was in. Mm-hmm. And these people were, I felt 
just not getting on the level of what the movie was. Mm. And I just needed an event. I wrote a whole essay about it on the Patreon yeah, if you yeah. want to like get the whole thing. But I basically made the equivalency of like, it would be like people going to a Marvel movie and them laughing at Robert Downey Jr. having a nice moment with his daughter. Yeah, I see what you mean. And it's just like, really? Like, you're going to laugh at that? And Well, I think that the difference, though, is if, if the entire movie is both Sin- is both sincere but like like hong kong cinema is um i i would like to call it like over dramatized melodramatic yeah intentionally yeah so. and that's just their um, cultural sensibility that's just it's just the well, difference between well, west and east sometimes yeah. i mean not always but just in that type of cinema yeah i, w- I would say that genre in particular yeah, yeah. um because it's not like one car why movies are like no. overly melodramatic no or or even something like if you go like on the other side like Wuxia can be, but it's yeah. not always. Like yeah. If you look at, I mean, you haven't seen uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Not yet. But I'm is, waiting to watch it with you. It is. I'm so. Robin and I are both so glad about that. Yeah. But it's serious. Yeah. Um. And I think it, it's. I'm. I'm on your side here because that would bug the crap out of me. But you bring up a Marvel movie, and the thing about a Marvel movie is it tells you how to feel, mm-hmm. and it really does separate its sincerity from its winkingness because all most of the fights and most of the like jokes are all told with like a get it audience. Right. And the sincere moments feel so the opposite of that. Right. And so I, I have a hard time even imagining like yeah. a Marvel audience doing that. Right. But I guess the thing is like, I want to challenge people when they go to movies, meet the film on its level. If it's meet the feebles, <laughs> if if it's presenting itself sincerely, try and meet it sincerely. Don't just laugh at it. Like like really take it at its word, at its face value. And for us watching our rom coms, we get a lot of sincerity, and we get a lot of non sincerity, and we kind of get irked by when they kind of pull their punches when yeah. they could have been sincere. But we don't we don't tend to like you know bash a film too much when it's trying to be open hearted. We bash a film when it's when it's embarrassed by its by its heart. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Sometimes we go a little hard, but yeah, you're right. You're right. And uh, so I guess challenge to you, challenge to myself, challenge to us all. Meet the film at where it wants to be met. Yeah. And see what happens. Yeah, I like that. That's a that's a good call to action there. Mm-hmm. Um if you would like to donate to our cause, um, if you t- want to meet us where at our level. Yeah. Um you can you can definitely send in twelve easy payments of nineteen ninety nine <laughs> and help us support audiences everywhere learning to just chill. <laughs> chill out. It's not nineteen ninety nine. You know, it's funny because the first story I ever heard about you was you being <laughs> uproariously oh, no. pretentious inside a movie theater. So I love I love I- this. <laughs> I can't help but have a certain reverence to movies and movie going. And I I'm very similar. But I do want to call you out just a little. By all means. Because you enjoy a light. You don't really like doing this, but you like doing a little bit of light hate watching. Yeah, but I'll do that at home in the in the privacy <laughs> of my own bathroom. Sure. <laughs> but but even like you wanted to do um what did we do that Netflix movie a few Christmas? Oh, the Christmas ago. Prince. Yeah, the Christmas Prince. The Christmas Prince. I felt uncomfortable doing it because like it, it felt like we were like laughing at someone who was in the room and they were just kind of like looking at us like kind of bashfully like, oh, you didn't like it, guys. Oh, like I well, get I, let me let me guarantee you that corporate greed didn't mind us <laughs> laughing at it. Because that's know, that's 
because a movie like that is made by that. Well, so I do not mind laughing. What, what, what was the Carrie Ellis one? Um, a Christmas, uh, a, a prince, for, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, a landlord for Christmas, whatever, a castle for Christmas. That's what it was. <laughs> a, a prince for Christmas, a landlord Christmas. That was a little bit better, but also like I can understand people wanting to do the same thing where they just yeah. rag on that too. And to be honest, I don't like doing that the first time I watch something. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy watching? Something like MST3K. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> Maybe time helps because those movies sure. are so old that those filmmakers aren't even alive anymore. I, yeah. I, and you know what? I kind of want to, I kind of want a Mystery Science Theater 3000, a movie in our genre. Yeah. And I, I, I think some of that is fair, fair to do. But, but then, for the then most again, part, at, you, at that point in time, you signed up to watch somebody make fun of movies. Yeah. And so you're going for the jokes of that. And you just don't like participating in it during the movie viewing process. And I would say the vast majority of the films that they make fun of on on that show, I'm not going to say M. Okay. <laughs> you took as much time saying that as you would have if you just said the real thing. Don't you love that? <laughs> no, I hate it. <laughs> but I, I would say most of those films, there wasn't any passion behind those films ever in the first place. It was always just like a cheap thrill that those filmmakers were going for. I don't know. I think the Plan Nine from Outer Space is. <laughs> There's you know, some passion there. There's some passion there. It's um, bad, yeah. but I think they thought they were making it a good movie. But I think the difference is sometimes I feel the passion. I'm like, I can't make fun of you. You're putting your heart into this. Sure. So that's the one difference. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's easier for me when it's that, or I can smell this movie being a product. Yeah, then it's totally fair. Have at it. Like, um, what was that movie? I don't know, a Dean Devlin movie came out. Uh, no, Independence Day, the, the Independence Day sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, what I heard through the grapevine is Dean Devlin, the director who produced a bunch of great stuff, hated making it because there was this committee of executives mm-hmm. who were on set every single day just overriding all his great decisions. And they're like, no, no, that won't play. That won't work. That's not mm-hmm. going to do anything. And it's like, at that point, it's like, the studio should be punished. <laughs> We should make fun of the executives for doing all these terrible decisions. So in that regard, yeah, hate watch the hell out of it. It's weird when certain sequels come out like like Independence Day 2 where you're you're like nobody's asking for this right now. Yeah. So you know it's a play by a studio. Yeah. Like like when when the Star Wars um sequels came out as a diehard Star Wars fan I was like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> Like maybe that's not the best thing to do right now. <laughs> On, I, I actually I felt the opposite way. I was gonna say when when I had no idea it was coming out, mm-hmm. and I was in a theaters. Um, I was in the theaters, and I saw the trailer. That's when you found out they were making new <clears throat> Star Wars movies. Oh well, that's the best way to be told. I and I was I I heard rumor that yeah. they were making sequels, but I really hadn't been paying attention during this point in time. Yeah, I was still. I think I was still like. Like I was in the midst of a bad relationship. You know how things just go uh, by. Yeah. <laughs> that was a that was a period. <laughs> and so like when I saw the Millennium Falcon like okay. do its thing yeah. where it like turned upside down on the planet yeah. and did a somersault, I was like, holy crap, I didn't know this is what I needed. Okay, but here's how I found out about it, and this will totally back up your argument. I was reading the Hollywood Reporter and mm-hmm. the headline was Disney to buy George Lucas's entire everything. Yeah. 
He's I, Disney is I remember buying Lucasfilm. Yeah. Disney is since Disney is buying Lucasfilm, they're going to produce three more Star Wars films, episode seven, eight, and nine. And the way I read it was like, oh, you're just buying this thing to make something commercial out of it. You mm-hmm. don't have any like it's not George Lucas saying, I'm making the prequels by my by God, I'm making the prequels. Sure. It's no Disney saying, Oh, we can make some money by doing a thing. And sure. I'm like, like in my Star Wars fandom, I'm like, there's no reason for seven, eight, nine to exist. Why are you doing that? And so I get it. The corporate part of it just makes it kind of like, eh, yeah. Eh. I mean, and I mean, here's to say they did a really poor job making those, <laughs> th- those three movies congeal um, but, because of corporate stuff. But, but you had artists like J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson putting yeah, their heart into it. They did. And so it's I can't make fun of those movies while I'm watching them. Yeah. Like maybe a, a little bit, we but can make I can't fun hate of watching Disney them. for the synergy of it all. <laughs> yeah, totally. Synergy. <laughs> Anyways, we are uh, we're checking out 27 dresses. Let me tell you a story. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. Ask about love. Probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. Catherine Heigl. Can we just talk about Catherine Heigl for a second? Yeah, I would love to talk about Catherine Heigl for a second. Um, I think this movie is probably her best opportunity to make a pitch for herself to be a rom-com star. Like, I this agree. is the best, like... Like this is everything I got Hollywood. This is everything I can do. Next to knocked up, ne- knocked up. I I think I'm gonna yes. betray myself a little and say knocked up is a better Catherine Heigl performance. But I think this is the best like emblematic nature of her. Yeah, as as Robin and I were watching it, we were like, oh no, we see it. Like there is there is a a certain dare I say it trifecta. Like this this feels like the movie where she's saying I could be part of the next trifecta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, like she, she's making, she's shooting her shot. Her, her and James Marston mm-hmm. really do carry this movie. Yep. I yep. mean, along with the director. Yeah. I think the director did a great job. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to put my criticism, my critical thought up front so okay. it won't like hang over us. Sure. I think this movie on the pass fail is a pass. I mm-hmm. think on a five star, it's a three out of five star. I okay. think it's nothing special. I don't think it's bad. I think it's good. I think it gets the job done absolutely i have a lot of a lot of quibbles but nothing that is gigantic where i'm like this movie is broken but fundamentally i really wish it starred someone like sandra bullock instead of katherine heigl okay interesting i um i i honestly could see a couple different people in this role i could see a an anne hathaway yeah i could see a sandra bullock yeah that being said i liked katherine heigl in this role i did too and it's a good, better, best thing. It's like, it was good. It was better than others, but it wasn't the best. Yeah. Uh, but I do, I think I'd give this movie a 3.5. Oh, okay. Out of five. I, it's weird doing this up front. I'm, I know. I'm lost. <laughs> um, I think this movie was funnier by far than I expected. Okay. Um, mainly just that they were like, always between Katherine Heigl and James Marsden, there were moments where they were spitting dialogue back and forth. I think they had good chemistry. Mm-hmm. And they would say something that would be so deadpan that it would hit me across the face like a slap. And I was like, oh, 
<laughs> and I'd have like a chuckle. And, I was, and Rob and I just kept turning and looking at ourselves. We were like, is this funny? Yeah. I think it's funny. Or Judy Greer just slapping her in the yes. face. Oh my just gosh. Incredible. That might have been the best slap in all of cinema. Wonderful. <laughs> it just was so great. out of left field. I just thought you might be hungry. That's why I love you. I love you too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I needed that. I was let down a lot by everything outside of them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and not let down in a huge way, just in a way where I was like, if if you guys had maybe made different choices with these characters or these actors, I might have been more into this film. Because I think the bones of this story is very basic. Yeah. In a way that you like. Yeah, and I still think they could have done better with their storytelling. Yeah, and and that's, I think, where I'm at, too. Yeah. Where, oddly, I don't think this is, like, in the top ten movies in our list, but I think this is an emblematic rom-com yeah. That feels very rom-com-y, that is a successful rom-com. And I think it also represents why the rom-com kind of died a slow death in this era because and why like, it's making a comeback now. Like this this movie, this feels like like a tent fell down <laughs> and it feels like this movie's on its back. Yeah. But it's like, like put, it's it's got uh, its legs and its arms in there. It's like, no, 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 stay up. We got stay it. Stay up. I, I, I am not very strong right now, <laughs> but I'm doing the work. It's it doesn't have the like glamour of a Julia Roberts movie. No, it, it's more it's more blue collar than that. It doesn't have the like comic stylings of a Sandra Bullock. Um, no, yeah, because the com- the comedy here is far more in its dialogue than it is in its physicality plus dialogue. Yeah, it doesn't have its like charmingness a Hugh Grant movie does. Because Catherine Heigl, Catherine is, H- it's unfair to compare her to Hugh Grant. Um, well, like, yeah, I mean, you should be but comparing James Marsden, James Marsden is very cute. Again, I was expecting him to be far worse. Mm-hmm. He's actually a good actor. Absolutely. He he has a very specific haircut that <laughs> like distracts me. And also he didn't have the Cyclops glasses on right. at this point. But there are scenes in this movie where I'm just like, I I wish that I could have seen you in a leading role. There's something like more often. There's there's something about him that is almost charismatic enough to reach a level, but just not quite there. Yeah. And I think I think like in the 90s, You've Got Mail is the movie that's like the emblem of like why the rom-com was red hot in the 90s. Like stars, the scripts, yes. everything just yes. amazing. And that's why in the aughts, we have all these movies that are like, some of them are good. Some of them are mediocre. Some of them are really bad. But there's no like red hot like- yeah. You, you almost you you need I, f- I feel like the rom-coms that really blast off are the ones that have a, like the stars mm-hmm. or it has the ones that are like the right stuff. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, OK, none of these people are really stars, but that's what makes it like sh- like just shine a little bit more than it should. Yeah. yeah. And Catherine Heigl, I applaud you. I think you're great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Agreed. And I want to say James Marsden, I'm. Sorry that your career hasn't taken off. Well, he's in the Sonic movies, so... Oh, yeah, well, fuck, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's doing just fine for himself. What's weird is that he was in two Sonic movies, and I think they made two Alvin and Chipmunk movies, too. So he's been in all these, like, man acts with digital actors movies. 
honestly, you know, I think he his smile and his eyebrow work is just, good enough that it just makes sense. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the story. So Catherine Heigl, we meet, I love this opening. Um, she is crossing town between two weddings that right. she is helped mastermind because she's the maid of honor at both. And it's really funny because she has this taxi driver who she's paid $300 at the beginning of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as he doesn't look at her while she's changing. Mm-hmm. By the end of the night, he gets to 140. And so, you know, he's copped a couple of looks. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we see her being just a great friend. She is the reliable woman who helps the bride go pee and do all the things and take care of everything. My one quibble with all of this, because it's really fun and funny and she's doing the dance and she's like, yeah, but um, I, I, I had no idea what her shtick was at first. She's Catherine Heigl. Well, we meet her and she's <laughs> trying on this dress. I, I mean, this is after a whole introduction where she like helps, like where she's a little kid and she helps this bride fix her dress at the last her minute. Because her mom, so her backstory is her mom died when she was a kid. Right. She went to a wedding and she had to take care of her sister and take care of her dad, who was a mess, Mm -hmm. um, and found herself having to take care of her cousin, the bride. And she found that she was really good at it. And she loved weddings ever since. And she wanted to, like, help make weddings beautiful. And she loved being helpful. Yes. And so what that transitions to is her talking to a bride while she's trying on a dress and taking care of bride stuff. And I'm like, oh, she's a wedding planner. Ah. And, And it just made sense to me. And so... When she like gets to this wedding, she's like in the wedding party. And I was like, oh, oh, she must just be a f- friend. I don't <laughs> understand why she was trying on this dress and having it altered did you for think, the bride. Did you think you turned on the wedding planner starring Jennifer <laughs> Lopez? No, I wasn't that confused. Okay. But I, I, like, I was just <laughs> like, why are you doing this for a bride? This doesn't make this doesn't make sense because they're not fittings like this for a dress cannot be done. Unless you are the exact same size as it's somebody a, else. It's a gag. It's a bit. It's funny. I know it's a bit, but it, it was a confusing bit for me. <laughs> um, anyway, and so she, she, we get to the end of the night, and James Marsden's been watching her. She goes back and forth to these weddings. He's like, like, what's up with this crazy kook? This crazy chick keeps running in and out. And so they end up, like, she gets her head hit by somebody, and he pretends to be a doctor. But then they take a cab together and he's all cynical about marriage and she's like you suck because i love marriage (laughs) well and here's my only real quibble is like the beginning of their like friendship is very like tete-a-tete and like it's very tense and i'm like like you are already like mad at him before he even gets into his like cynicism like you were already just kind of like grumpy with him like well why was she, i can't remember why she was grumpy with i him. can't remember either it's just they were trying to have this like elizabeth darcy vibe and i feel like, like they were trying to have cool. a harry sally vibe or, or that too but like it was far more contentious than harry sally like they were trying to get it so that it's antagonistic so that they can shift and become more, you know, sure. dovey and all that stuff. And and she leaves her giant planner. You didn't let me finish oh, my ahead. quibble. Oh, I'm sorry. What was your quibble? I thought that was your quibble. <laughs> no, well, no, do the antagonism thing. It's just, I don't think they set it up very well because it, they do get to a point where he's like, I'm cynical about marriage. And she's like, I love marriage or I love weddings. And mm-hmm. he like makes the differential. I'm like, that's an interesting point. Right. She, she has this line where she like shakes his hand when they leave and she's like, well, it was interesting meeting you. And I'm like, that, sh- that line should have been, well, it was barely interesting meeting right. you and or something. <laughs> she didn't have enough to be contentious with him yet. And so I don't think they set it up very well. And that's a script problem. But mm. what can you do? Yeah, I was fine with it. But yeah, yeah I get you. So she leaves her big planner in there and James Marsden finds it. And he's like, whoa, there's all this crazy stuff in there. And the way he like... 
at first he's going to stop the taxi driver and take it back to her. He's like, no, I want to like look through this woman's personal details. (laughs) But it's so quick because he like picks it up and he's like, oh, taxi driver. And then he like stops and looks at it and he's like, never mind. Keep going. This woman has appointments. And And it was like. It was like, wow, Marsden, like in the space of a second, you changed your mind. <laughs> you are kind of creep. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, whatever. Um, and we, we don't know this yet, but he's actually the weddings, com- the commitments writer uh-huh. for the New York Journal. Yeah. Now, is the New York Journal a real paper? No. Okay. But the New York Times mm-hmm. always writes about engagements and weddings. Yeah. And I don't understand who the hell reads these things. Catherine Heigl does. <laughs> I know. It's just like two random people got married in New York today. I'm like, good for them. Why are you writing this? And like alongside like your review of Lars von Trier films. Well, okay. So I've never, those are probably two different sections. (laughs) Okay. Um, But But it's the same paper. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Mr. Never reads the sports section. (laughs) The, um, the, I think honestly, you and I would probably like reading them. I've never read one. Have you ever read one? I started reading one. I'm like, are these people important? Are they no, famous? No, no. So these are these are strangers to me. So I haven't, yeah, I haven't read it yet. But I imagine the good ones read like love stories. Yeah. So yeah, in that way, I might like reading them on a Sunday afternoon in Central Park. Come on, there is the Modern Love. I, I don't know if it's a podcast or a column, but New York Times does the, does the Modern Love thing where they just talk about relationships. Mm-hmm. We should get into it because that's totally up our alley, and sure. I don't know what happened, but. there is that you know who got up somebody else's alley in this movie judy greer (laughs) she did because actually judy greer's at one of these weddings as well we meet judy greer aka the best the perpetual best friend judy greer someone let judy greer out of this prison give her a starring role i actually think that judy greer she at one point in time crossed a witch and this witch (laughs) cursed her and she's like you shall always be the best friend like i just imagine at some point she looks in the camera and she's like i'm better than this guys and we're like yeah you are she's like eh, okay i'll keep going judy greer is great yeah just um, the best but she's her friend from work and like confidant but at least in this in this movie they allow judy greer the room to be a character as she is she is much <laughs> she is much more a character than like the best friend in um not friends with kids uh kids with friends <laughs> Not that one either, but the one that we recently watched that was like it. Um, sleeping with other people? Yeah. Like, the best friends in that, th- those yeah. are people. Yeah. Like, I mean, the the couple is is fine, but at least Judy Greer has opinions. She cares. She cares yeah. enough to, like, take action on things. Yeah, but why is it the best friend, and maybe we'll get into this trope talk later, but in these movies, the best friend's always like... We need to get you laid. Like they are always about the sexual adventures of the main character. Hey, sorry, Ryan. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna look into the audience's camera over here. Um, can you plug your ears for a second? Yeah. So Ryan can't hear me right now. He's just laughing at something else. <laughs> the um, uh-huh. for years, I I <laughs> specifically said this to Ryan um, <laughs> as his best friend um, because he really needed to get laid. Uh, so you were not I'm, like that with me. Ryan we talked me right about. <laughs> he's, he's. I don't know who he's talking to, but um, I told him multiple times. Well, maybe you should stop pining and just you know go date someone, which was my way of saying it's probably better for you if you got laid. And, Can I take my uh, my oh, protective headphones off now? Sorry, Ryan. Yeah, you wanted to talk to the audience. Go ahead. All right. I just In this to... camera. Over oh, here. oh, hi. I just want to tell the audience, I've never had a friend like the people in these movies that talk like this. Like Malik Panchali is the 
he doesn't even have nearly as big a role as he's Greer. usually Jack Donahue's yeah. assistant. Um, but he's like, oh man, you're going to a wedding. You're gonna have so much sex. It's gonna be great. There's gonna all be these people. And I'm just like, I've never yeah. seen you. Like I've never seen encountered anyone like you're, you. Ever. You're, you're also not from New York. Maybe because all these movies like, happen in New York. These people so. are extremely horny. It's just it's a it's a trope. It's I, not this movie's fault. All the rom coms do it. It's just single New Yorkers right in. I bet you're all <laughs> very us. horny. Tell us. Um, but we are <laughs> married, so you won't be getting it from us. Unless it's Judy Greer. You reach out. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. let us know. You reach out. Um but uh, meet me somewhere here. Like do you do you where, where would you like me to meet for sex? <laughs> but do you Brian, do you, we're married. All right. Do you think it's a little cliche too, or am I alone in my principles? I look, it's I don't see it as an unrealistic thing mm-hmm. because I worked in a restaurant industry for like 10 years. So did I. Uh, I'm sorry. 90% of the conversations in the restaurant were we're poor or man, I haven't gotten laid in a while or you need to go get laid. Like that's like 90% of the conversations. I guess I'm just saying I don't feel seen. <laughs> I I'm don't sorry. Feel you, I, I, you need somebody in in a movie being like, you know what? You need to just have a nice, sincere conversation with well, someone. Well, I, I don't know. Like uh, the whole point of these characters is t- for them can to I, be can relatable. I, no, can I say why this character exists? Yeah. It, in general, or should we save it for the trip talk? Uh, no. You tell us. Tell us. I think the reason why this character exists is so that when our characters meet someone and has feelings for them, we realize that it's a real thing. Because if one person is saying, "Just go have meaningless, frivolous sex," and then our character does not do that, then we say, "Oh, they're the meaningful person, and they're like their relationships are meaningful." Whereas if they did the thing that Judy Greer said to do, then this wouldn't be meaningful. So they're creating like this weird <laughs> contrast of advice. Yeah, I think it's whatever. That's fine. <laughs> well, what happens next? We find out that she's in love with her boss, uh, who was also in Friends with Kids. Yeah. And kids who have friends. And friends who also have fi- friends. And Friend- kids, and who, kids have who also have kids. Mm. Uh, um, Ed Burns, the um, Ed Burns, the gentlemanly per- Ed Burns. The perpetual. I, I feel like Ed Burns is. The person who is never cast as a superhero uh, who wanted to. Yeah. And the perpetual Bellamy. Yeah. And I think this is one of her his better roles. Me too. And I really just, usually I don't like the unrequited love thing, but I'm like, no, this makes sense. Yeah. He's super cool. He's really gracious. It would totally make sense that she would fall for him. Yeah. He's Catherine Heigl's boss and he likes dogs and hiking and he runs an eco-friendly place and uh, judy greer is like katherine heigl slap out of it she slaps <laughs> yeah, her it's great because katherine heigl is is re- oh good that's the best friend stuff i love oh from you judy like greer. them punching their friends yeah more than telling them go have that's good fresh sex. that is super fresh like that came out of nowhere i was like what she just slap her i, complete, I love that. i completely agree just don't slap me what are you doing <laughs> i'm not gonna slap you okay and so like we get this whole thing katherine heigl's been pining after him for seemingly years then her sister comes to town Oh, also, Kristen Ritter's in this as a goth, as a quote unquote goth because like, she no, wears she's, black. She's playing Kristen Ritter. That's just what she looks like. Yeah, you guys. guys you, and so like we end up going to this like two extremely goth events later, one being like a goth bar and the other one being a goth wedding. And it's like. Kristen Ritter was just wearing black 2009. That doesn't mean she's super goth. Like you didn't dress her up as a goth. She didn't seem 
goth-esque. Like goth. It's fine. Uh, anyway. Yeah. And so her sister comes to town. Her sister played my Malin Ackerman. So it's like the usual Bellamy hooks up with the other usual Bellamy. Yeah, because Malin Ackerman was also in um, The Proposal, which was also directed by... Uh, Anne Fletcher. Who directed this movie. Yeah. Here's where I'm going to rewrite the movie already. Go ahead. You write your first draft with your heart. And you rewrite with your head. Just set the sister up. Screenplay? Like, you didn't set up the sister. You did it after the fact. Yeah, we met her when she was a baby. (laughs) Yeah, it's like we meet her as this, like, seven-year-old, and it's like, this is my sister. She's cool. I'm like, cool. Nice to meet you, sister. And then later, the sister comes into town, and it's like, oh, that's kind of random, isn't it? And it's like, movie's like, no, this is a big deal. It's like, oh, okay. And then it just, the, the plot kind of like stops setting up Catherine Hagel's character and then starts setting up this dynamic. And I'm like, you couldn't do that 20 minutes ago? Like, you couldn't let me know that you've had this dynamic all your life? Yeah, her sister should have just been in town or something at the beginning of the movie. But they could have showed us in the flashback of like, the sister is the one who always got her way and Catherine Heigl always had to work to get people's approval and always well, had to work kind of, for that. I mean, it, it is, I, I agree that they didn't go 100% because what they did do was the dad didn't want to take her to the bathroom and so Catherine Heigl had to take care of her. Yeah. And that's one half of the issue yeah, here. Yeah, but show us that there's resentment, there's jealousy, there's there's a lot going on between them because... Yeah, but Catherine Heigl doesn't have resentment and jealousy when she's young. She just started taking care of her sister. So I, I, I think that would have been the wrong way to go but about they, it. But it felt super random for the movie to swerve and be like, now we're going to make it about her sister coming in town. I'm like, oh, I thought we were about Catherine Heigl. It's like, no, sister in town. Like, oh, it didn't, feel, okay. it didn't feel random to me at all. It, it just felt like, oh, and you know, you're like... Sure, it was. They could have done it better, but it just felt like, oh, your sister's coming into. It felt like so many other plots in rom coms where, ah, this new element has arrived and this element is going to mess things up. It felt like season two, episode five of sitcom called 27 Dresses. It felt like a sitcom arc where yeah, okay. the sister comes to town and it didn't feel like a part of a piece. It just kind of felt like uh, a, an element, a story beat, but it didn't feel so like a you're part saying of a rewrite the movie. Whole. Like set this this act two twist Mm -hmm. that not only the sister comes to town, but she falls in love with the boss, hooks up with the boss. That's the twist. I don't think her coming to town is a twist. No, no, no. I'm I'm saying set up this arc because this this arc kind of came out of nowhere for me. I I feel like they didn't set. You know how you do this. Mm. She like is going back and forth and back and forth to these weddings and then the taxi has to take her to the airport to pick up her sister and then you you set up like that her sister's in town and we get to know her sister and hers relationship on the way back. And that way we know that this time bomb is already here. Yeah. And then like over the rest of the first act, we like, yeah, we, that, we, that's all we I would have needed. Dynamic. That's all I would have needed. Well, we did it. We fixed the movie. <laughs> so Malin Ackerman is like, she set up from the beginning as like this person who's in high fashion and she was going to go have dinner with Italian supermodels or yeah. whatever. And so she's, She's fancy pants, and immediately, as soon as she sh- showed up, I knew the rest of her arc. Yeah. I, I knew that she was going to fall in love with the boss. I yeah. knew that she had been fired. I don't know how I knew that, but I'm like, oh, she's she's being cagey about something. It's the, like the only other thing that we know about her is that she's in fashion, so she was fired. So we see <laughs> Catherine Heigl super nervous around her sister meeting her boss, and 
I was a little confused. I'm not maybe confused is not the right word, but I I couldn't quite read it precisely. I'm like, are you saying that you're nervous about anybody meeting your boss because you're in love with your boss? Oh, I didn't notice that she was nervous about that. I just oh, saw her like, invite her to dinner. Like the to the party. She's, she's like, at I'm to the party. Or... She's at the party. She's oh. at the bar. She's at Kristen Ritter's uh, whatever goth bar. goth bar. Yeah, and she sees her sister meeting her boss, and she has this like kind of like. No, 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 Grin. no, no. Uh, the I, I, I think you read this moment wrong because what she sees first is she sees her her boss looking interested across the room, and then she sees that he's looking at her sister. Right. So is she? This is, and this is. Let's contextualize this for the audience. This is right when she thinks she thinks that her boss uh, sent her flowers, and so she's about to go confess her love. And so when she sees the, like you know that look. When yeah. you when you've seen somebody see somebody across the room, you're like, I know that look. And so when she sees that happen, that is, oh no. Is she feeling is she feeling the oh no because she knows that her sister always gets what she wants, or is it just because the bo- it's and it could be anybody that the boss is not paying attention to Catherine Heigl but to someone else. Well, I think I think yeah, it's the boss has seen somebody across the room doubly bad that it's her super hot sister who always gets what she wants yeah and i'm learning after the fact that the sister always gets what she wants yeah, i didn't we don't quite that get that yet so th- those are the elements i kind of want set up because i want to feel the oh no that she's feeling and i didn't quite feel it oh see i i just saw it as her sister's super hot and my boss <laughs> has fallen and this in- is a rom-com well, so well there's that but also you see the boss fall in love with her right across the way and you see her see the boss and they eye each other and Catherine Heigl seeing this, like she knows what's coming. Yeah. Like, like after that moment's happened, there's nothing you can do unless you can get one of them out of the room. Right. And so I, that's enough for me. Eh, I really like the the rest of the sequence though, because she goes home and she was hoping that Melanie Ackerman would come home with her, and she's like, "I'm gonna go out clubbing with hot Ed Burns." Yeah. And she stays up all night just. We're worrying. missing. We're missing beautiful parts though, because. Like James Marsden shows up at, at oh, the right, club right, right. because like he has her her book and so he knows where she's gonna be, and he's like, "I sent you those flowers," and she's like, "Fuck!" And she walks outside and just freaks out for a moment. And I thought this was a really good bit of comedy where like they do a cut and I'm like, "Where is she?" Yeah, and and it, apparently like this alley is like the back alley to like a nice restaurant that has like a nice setup out here, and there's somebody's fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, she's like, "Sorry, and, sorry." Uh, congratulations that was really good like okay Catherine Heigl like this is this is some of your best stuff yeah yeah and there's other moments where this happens in the movie where Catherine Heigl I'm just like oh wow you just you just surprised me with your comedy good job and James Marsden is being super charming with her and I'm like I am I am totally swept off my feet right Mm -hmm. now but Catherine Heigl is not having with him and I get it she's not having a good night but I'm like cut the guy some slack he's like Ask, get, trying to get you a drink. He's, like, not, he's not only charming, but he like is like, hey, let me just buy you a drink. Come and on, she, like I just want to be. And she's like, cool no, dude. I'm having a bad night. I'm out of here. And he's like, okay, well maybe another time then. Yeah. And he doesn't push. Right. And like, you know, he's later on in great. the movie, he calls her a bunch of times, but he's not. It doesn't. The movie doesn't paint him as like overly pushy. He's yeah. like, okay, you've set up a boundary. Okay. I. Would you say this is the. <laughs> Not the correct way of being persistent, but a, a no. Good, I, I hear what you're a saying. A good model for persistence. I think. I think that there is. 
there's a very fine line as described by these movies, as described by like general everyday courtship. There is a fine line between asking that second or third time where you're just like asking someone like to give you a chance mm-hmm. and not listening. Right. Like there, there is a super fine line there. And, and not reading it. Right. Just not reading it. And I think a lot of that has to do with being young and inexperienced, not being taught you know, how to, yeah, how to be a good listener. But it also does come from the re- very real place of if you're being pursued and you're unsure, you're more often the person, like more, more often those of us that are inexperienced. I was this person. I was a person that, you know, people asked to go on dates with and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and like, there were a couple people who were persistent towards me that ended up getting a date out of me. Oh yeah. And you know, sometimes it didn't go great. Sometimes it did. Yeah. But I, I, I do think more often than not, men being persistent can be creepy uh-huh. or intimidating because men are generally a little bit more intimidating. Uh-huh. And I, I, I do think that this is a really interesting point you've brought up because James Marsden, the way they set him up at the beginning is, oh, you're kind of creepy because you kept her stuff. Right. But then, like, he does the magic trick of being like, okay yeah and he gives it back to her and he's penciled himself in on every saturday yeah. and you're just like that's cute enough and also she said no to a drink but she was she wasn't like don't contact me again don't do anything she just said no to the drink and he's like I'm, okay maybe one day i can get that drink and, and that's the one thing i would have nudged a little bit more i'm like just give him a little bit of like not right now just like she's very like no and he's just like, ah, and I'm like, what are you going off of James Marsden? Like, she's very, like, clearly not interested. And he's very, like, persistent. I would yeah. want to give, like, that 1% of, like, okay, maybe you're a little cute, but no. Like, I needed yeah. some of that. You, you needed, like, as he's walking away, all shamarmy, you need her to give him a next look. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, for him, it's like, that's enough. I'm going to keep trying. I, I agree. And I, I do think that if you and I are ever writing a character who is a little persistent after another character. I think the way you direct those scenes are very important in, Mm -hmm. in describing the kind of character that you want to make, because maybe you're going after somebody who's too persistent. Yeah. Or maybe you're creating a character who is that perfect slice of pursuant, because there, I think there's a difference of pursuant that where there is like a little bit of permission given to continue. Yeah. And I think that's important for, like it's, it's the lightest form of consent. But I think that's, and I think that's the most truthful about human relationships because I pursued women that I got no green light to keep pursuing and I paid for it. Like it just did not go well, but there was like not in a creepy way. No, but it's just kind of like, it's like, dude, just, it's not happening. Yeah. Just move on. Yeah. (laughs) That kind of thing. It was just like, all right, all right, all right. Um, But with Sarah, I had enough to stay persistent and eventually it happened. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's because there was always that look. Well, I always got that look. The carrot look. The carrot look? Yeah. It's the like, like, well, just chase this carrot a little bit further, horsey. Chased it, I did, and it, and it panned out. How was that carrot chase? Pretty fucking good. <laughs> I mean, you have a kid with her, so. Um, but that, uh, I think that's the honest representation of how, you know, dating goes. Right. Uh, I, I completely agree with you. Like there are, there, we've talked about this before. There are the, there are those that, that chase and those that are chased mm-hmm. that aren't chased. Uh? 
Um, but I think at the same time, there are quite a few times, like Robin and I didn't chase each other. We just found each other and mm-hmm. kept holding hands, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So like the other way happens too. Cheese your lobster. <laughs> Thank you. In, in the parlance of our genre. Um, so basically James Marsden works at, in, you know, at the newspaper that is not the New York Times. And uh, he's like, I've got a story. I'm going to break a big story because he wants to be a big time writer. We all know this character. Yeah. Um, and his boss... Laura Hardin from the office. Ah, uh, Jan is. I mean, she's basically playing a nicer Jan. Yeah. Uh, where she's just like uh, James Marsden. Go. Yeah. If you want to write something, go ahead. And so James Marsden is like, I'm going to write about Catherine Heigl, but he's going to do it through writing about Melinda Ackerman getting engaged, which happens <laughs> over the course of five days, ten days, yeah. twenty days. This is this is my quibble with the movie. Quibbles and bits. Quibbles and bits. Quibbles and bits. 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 Quibbles and Bits is part of a balanced podcast diet. Please talk to your doctor before listening. Quibbles and Bits is for humans, not dogs. Part of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Tell us how long it's been. I know. Because it feels like maybe 20 days before they're like, like, no, it feels like one date. And then Catherine Heigl, like they slept together. We get that they slept together. And then Catherine Heigl goes into his office seemingly like the next day or the next day. And he's already got pictures of her on his desktop yeah. circling through his screensaver. He's and like, I'm like, man, it's been a mad six months, right? Yeah. And, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like this happened yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Thus my my quibble with that. Like, I'm like, what what is happening here? What's going on? Yeah. And, and so Kath, but Catherine Heigl is being supportive because she's always the supportive one. Mm-hmm. And, and so, she's grinning through it. I think it's very important that we psychologically paint she's it. Grin she's grinning and like, bearing. She's grinning and bearing through a yeah. lot. Yeah. A lot. And especially because Melinda Ackerman, we get like she is she is lying to uh, Yeah. Suddenly she's Ed a Burns. vegan. Suddenly she likes hiking. Suddenly she likes dogs. And Catherine Heigl's like, this is all bull. And there's there's like a way that they dress her and make her up in this movie that makes a a real character, but in a way that I hate her. Yeah. I'm just like, I hate you, Mullen Ackerman. She's selfish and conceited. Not Mullen Ackerman, I'm sorry, Tess. <laughs> She's selfish and conceited, but I think they do a good job with her being a real character as opposed to mm, Catherine Zeta Jones. She deeps beneath the lasers. Ooh. Who really just didn't feel redeemable at all at the end of that movie. And this one, I'm like, you grew up in a bubble. You always got your way. And now for the first time, you're realizing that you can't act like this because you're not getting your way yeah. in the end. And again, I might've been, I I think I would have much rather have, I think, let me rewrite the movie again. You write your first draft when you're hot. You rewrite your head. She comes into town. She confesses to Catherine Heigl. Like she's drunk. She got drunk on the plane. She got fired from her job she lands in town she's having a horrible time then she finds ed burns and ed burns makes her happy yeah Catherine keigel can't help but let her sister be happy yeah because she is crushed right now yeah i think that would make far more compelling story than having her be this perfect girl who in the end is like i got fired and Catherine heigl being like oh i'm so sorry yeah yeah totally anyway so so james morrison is uh, he thinks he's got a story about Catherine Heigl who is has been in so many weddings always a bridesmaid he's like ah oh, there's a story here about the wedding in industrial complex it's like okay dude like eh, maybe you got something yeah at least you have an interesting character yeah. because we find out that she's been in 27 weddings yeah and they have great great conversations this is really good relationship building where he's talking to her about it and she just 
has a very noble sense about it where she's just like that golden rule of like, I just, you know, have these women's back because I hope, you know, that they'd have my back. Yeah. And, and I think that's great. I think that's great too. How many weddings have you been in? In? In. Yours and my brother's. That's it? Basically. <laughs> I've been in 13 weddings. Wow. And I mean, I am a year older than you, so maybe that can change. Um, I was warned growing up that after college, I was going to go to so many weddings. I'm still waiting to go to so many weddings. Well, maybe I just don't have a lot of friends. Oh, no. I, I, I'm also, but I, I really saw myself in Katherine Heigl because there were, I mean, no offense, Alex, if you're listening to this, but I'm not really your friend a lot. <laughs> like, oh, Alex. Right, yeah. yeah, your brother. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not like that I don't like Alex. It's just that, like, I got to be in his wedding after hanging out with him five times. Yeah. And that doesn't usually happen. Right. But he mainly invited me because he knew we were friends. And he's like, eh, you can come be in the wedding, too. Because <laughs> you're going to be there anyways. So yeah. So you might as well just jump on up here. <laughs> and so, but, like, so I should have said no, mainly because then I wouldn't have had to, like, fork over an extra $200 for a Norton track suit. Yeah. Yeah, that I know that's I know that's a big uh, it's a big quibble with you in general. Is, is that didn't the, fit me? <laughs> like at least that one I got to buy though, but I never do? wore it again because it was a boxy bad suit. Yeah, what can you do? Anyway, so <laughs> I, I saw myself in her, but I'd like that. Oh yeah, I would think this would be a very relatable character. Very much so, and um, I like I like James Marsden here with her because he's like he's shown up and she's like pissed because like he's wheedled his way into her life yeah via his sister so everything's coming up bad for Catherine heigl but then he shows up to interview her and they have a really great like five minutes of her trying on all these oh, dresses one of the great montages it's I, w- great. I would say this is probably the best element of the aughts rom-com was is this is like the centerpiece of aughts rom-coms it's like yeah. this is fantastic you guys yeah good for you are you you've got mail no, but you are the next best thing. So good for you. Very much so. Like, if you're looking to have a good time and you want to watch a couple people have fun and put on clothes, this is it. It's great. Like, and James Barnes is like taking photos for the whole time. And she thinks it's for this article that he's writing, but it's really for a different article that he's writing about her yeah. that he has not told her about. Yeah. So he, they have a good time, but he's he, he is also making incisive comments about her life. And... Uh, like it all kind of culminates with them going to, I mean, like a lot of stuff happens. Like they have lots of conversations where he's like, they're like, you know, checking out the registry stuff for his yeah. sister. And the psychology we get is that he got, he got dumped. Right. Um, he got dumped by his wife and seemingly like right after their wedding or yeah, something yeah, where so, she, she hooked up with his best friend yeah, or his college roommate. He's super salty about marriage and weddings in general. And Understandably so. Totally. Right. Um, and she's just kind of like, well, I love weddings or she's like, I love marriage. And he's like, do you love marriage? Or do you love weddings? Yeah. And it's like, mm, good question. James Morrison. Like that is a thing that I think he's totally fair to push her on. And she's kind of like, like, Ugh, don't push me on that. And I feel like that's a good dynamic where it's like oh he pushed a button yeah interesting and like she, let's get into that and i like that her thing in that scene because he he like can kind of see into her and she's like stumbles she has like almost an intuitive 
vision mm-hmm. of him because she just keeps listing off all the possibilities of why he's so cynical. And then she hits the nail on the head yeah. and he has to kind of cop to it. Like it's a good dynamic. This is, this is the best of Jane Austen writing where your characters get at each other's like worse qualities, mm-hmm. but for the better Yeah, that they figure out each other's insecurities push them on it and push each other to be better people, to stop being so prideful, to stop being so prejudiced, to stop, stop being, being so, so sensible, to stop being so Emma. That didn't work. <laughs> to stop being so Northanger Abbey about things. <laughs> Jeez. And be persuaded uh, uh-huh. to be a better person. So that you can have love and friendship. <laughs> there we go. We did it. No, but seriously, I think, I think that's where the best of this movie is, is getting into the dynamic in this relationship and him pushing her buttons and her kind of pushing his buttons, but it's it's more yeah. more him pushing her buttons. And I think I think it's a very this the most honest writing out there. Yeah, it's really good. Then he catches her having dinner with Ed Burns. And he's like, light bulb. Yeah. I like the way he sees them together. Like this movie has a a smattering of like people seeing other people feeling something. And but but a worse movie wouldn't give us this. Somebody would just come to a realization. But this one, you can see it. You can yeah. see that she's in love with Ed Burns. And and he's like pushed the biggest button on her. He's like, it all makes sense now. Yeah. You love your boss. He's marrying your sister. This must drive you nuts. This sucks balls. <laughs> and she is super furious that he's pushing this button. And she's right to be furious, but he's also right to push on it. He's like, we got to talk about this. For sure. And he, they end up like on this drive out to the country to do something. Oh, also, her sister is just such a huge bitch. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I don't like to throw she that word around. She cuts up the mom's wedding dress yeah i mean who she, does that she doesn't even do that yet she she like that's later she like is like wearing the wedding dress and i love katherine heigl's reaction when she asks for the wedding dress and the dad gives it to her yeah and katherine heigl just like smiles and her sister, her sister and her dad are like ah oh, i know that you were gonna and she's like no 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 and she smiles and then leaves and cries it's it's really good but then, like, Melinda Ackerman's also getting married at the place where she wanted to get married in yeah. Central Park. And it's like, oh, my gosh, sh- stop it. And just time after time after time, we see Katherine Heigl just sacrificing her own needs to make others happy. And I think that's the brilliance of this film is you don't see this kind of psychological truth being told in other rom-coms. And I think that the best element is the individual character development here. Agreed. Agreed, agreed. And mm-hmm. speaking of development... They get in a car crash. I love this. I love this scene. She's like, ah! hydroplaning. <laughs> and it just kind of like slides down the hill. It's great. Perfect. I'm, so, I'm so glad that they didn't get in a wreck. Robin, when when she saw this, she's like, I thought they were going to hit a tree. And it just makes me so happy that they just kind of crashed. Yeah. And um, they go to the bar. They get drunk. This is another great centerpiece scene. So where, good. where like they're getting drunk and they're having good conversation. And slowly... They start admitting things to each other, yeah. and we we get to see these characters break down because they're just having a regular hang together. They're yeah. basically on a date, and they don't know it, right? Yeah. And then they do karaoke by singing Elton John, singing about electric boobs. And the I, the thing that I I like I don't know if this movie's better or worse than um, Best Friends Wedding. It's definitely not held as on high as a pedestal by no. like you know the genre, but this scene. Almost for me outdoes the scene where like which is 
such an emblematic scene where they sing um, the Dionne Warwick song in that movie because there's something about the way that it's directed where it makes sense where like everybody's looking at them singing this song at the bar and they're like what are you doing and like a couple (laughs) of people are like okay I can get into them they're they're like drunk but they're having a good time and they're not horrible singers and then it cuts to everybody at the bar singing the song with them and they're like standing on the bar and everybody's singing with them and it's Benny and the Jets and it's like joyous and raucous and it makes sense for this bar right and there's just something about it that made me feel the way I like feeling in this genre. Yeah. Did you notice the guy... Yes, I did. Who's like, yeah, Benny and the Jets. <laughs> and he says, I know this song. <laughs> and he goes up to him the next morning. He's like, hey, you guys. Benny and the Jets people. <laughs> Do you recognize the other movie we know him from? No. He's the buddy in the proposal who works at the airport. Who oh. works the air traffic control? And he's like, Yeah, kiss her, dude. Who I, is he? I think in real life, in IRL, uh-huh. he's friends with the director. Sure. That and she's sense. just like, Hey, play this bit part because we're buds. Can we can we say that he is in universe the same person? Yes. Okay. That is what I'm saying. I love it. These movies totally relate. That's the same character. He's he's just moved across the country. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I'm gonna go up to Alaska now. Or he was like you know, living in upstate New York for a while. Sure. But he's back yeah. in Alaska. Yeah. I love it. I love that read of this character. <laughs> What's his name? Can we find him? Um, it took, I looked high and low. It took me a while to find him. So, okay. Uh, we'll find you. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the, in the afterwards of All this right. movie. All right. Okay. So listen you, past the credits. Hey, here's a secret. Always listen past the credits. Cause there might be mm, something, something for you. Um, so yeah, they hook up, um, in the car and it's a good hookup scene. You ever hook up in a car? Yeah. It just looks uncomfortable. I've never gone for it. You're a very tall man. Yeah. Um, you need a big car and we have a small car. We have a Kia, so it, can't really go for it. it I, I, and there's a car seat. I have to say the there, there is a, there's a specific size ratio that works. Mm-hmm. It's not tall, little <laughs> it's. You you ever you either have to be medium plus a little or two littles. I, I I'm talking about height. I, I did drive a minivan in high school. You didn't have sex in high school. Did me no favors. No. Did me no favors. Hey, okay, well, <laughs> not a lot of people are turned on by minivans, so yeah. <laughs> they have sex in the rain and then they have breakfast the next morning. Where oh, James Morrison told his boss not to run this story, even though she's like, I like it, and then but she did. And, and it's like, oh my gosh, there's this woman who and, has 27 dresses. And it's the worst moment because it's right when they're really falling in love. Yeah. Like they had sex last night, but they're still like, they're still having a good convo the next morning, which is, I think, like having done that before. I'm looking at you, Robin. Where, <laughs> where. I can imagine you guys listening to this episode together and he's, you're just staring at her. <laughs> well, like there's, there's something about after the first time you make love where if you have a good after that in the morning hang you're like wow this is something yes this is is real good um so they they do that and it gets wrecked it's the worst yep classic rom-com like you've betrayed me you never said you were writing a story about me how dare you you make me look like an idiot blah 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 she runs away all that stuff and it's at this point that Melina Ackerman sees that she's called Bridezilla in this story, and she's furious at Catherine Heigl. 
because it's all her fault. Which didn't make sense to me, writing-wise. No, I, but I think she, Melin Ackerman's character was just being the selfish character that she was supposed to be. I agree. She was being a selfish character, but I I would like it... I think it, if I could rewrite the movie again, <laughs> if like Catherine Heigl during her conversation with James Marsden in his initial thing, he wrote something that she said that like exposed her as a bridezilla a little bit. Yeah. Like that would, that would make it more like, sense. We get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But okay. So that happens. And then like they all decide to go on with their lives. Well, it's at this point that, um, Catherine Heigl is kind of like fed up being the, person to be rolled over on and she starts finally finally she starts rolling her eyes well she starts finally advocating for her needs because she kind of has the last straw when she sees her mother's dress being torn up to fit Melinda Ackerman and she's like all right I'm done you're a bitch you suck this is stupid you're a liar I'm telling Ed Burns yeah and it's a it's a real moment yeah because I like it too it's 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 honest writing because it's like She's trying to be more honest about her needs because it, it's the last straw and she blows up. Yeah, because I like she says, like, I can't take that back. You can't take that back after you, like, cut up the dress like yeah. that. Like, you've ruined, you've really ruined something. Yeah, and so she's she goes and tries to get her own and it does it in a very hurtful way where she, like, ruins the engagement party for her sister and like shows her sister like re- catches her red hand in all these photos of like look at her eat food and hate cats and all this terrible stuff see this is why you really need to listen to the klingons okay <laughs> because a klingon will tell you revenge is a dish best served cold and honestly it should have been done coldly like it like that's that's what uh, like Judy Greer supports her through this, but then afterwards she's like, okay, Oof. I'm not a great moral compass. And <laughs> like, that was I'm out. rough. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> because Catherine Heigl, she serves it seemingly coldly on her face, but she's there doing it in front of people. That is hot to revenge. Oh yeah, totally. And she um, needs it cold. Ed Burns, you know, calls the wedding off and they later on, Catherine Heigl and Ed Burns kind of like talk about it. Mm-hmm. And she confesses her love and finally stands up for what she always cared about, which was him. And she's like, you have to know that I love you, blah, blah, blah. And I like, I like the movie's move here where he decides, I mean, this is an okay time to kiss her. I guess she just confessed her love. Yeah. And they are not feeling it. And it's like, yeah, that's what would happen. Yeah. I mean, and maybe not like in, in a different circumstance, maybe it would be nice, but it makes so much sense here. Yeah, and for me, it's like you've built him up so much in your mind that he's just another dude. Yeah, and you guys haven't had anything romantic. It's yeah. just like been one-sided. He's not giving any like passion. And I love his acting here because his kissing is perfect for, I just want to see if this is something. Yeah. Like, and you're not going to get a good kiss out of that. And so I loved it. Yeah, and I, I love the character development because she's just finally sticking up for herself. You know, she's telling her sister what for she's telling this man that she loves him and it's not always like the most graceful but it's most honest yeah yeah it's really good and then so they don't hit it off and then james marsden's outside oh he was outside earlier and he was like i'm supporting you here's a blackberry (laughs) this movie brought to you by blackberry yeah what then she figures out that she loves james marsden and i can't remember what convinces her I something think, oh no it was thing. the kiss because she's like kisses shouldn't feel like that and then she like you can kind of see it on her face that she's like but you know whose kiss did feel like that 
James. Mars, Mars. Cyclops's kiss. The Mars. He can't see well, but he can kiss good. <laughs> so she finds out that he's covering this wedding that's on a boat, and so she runs to the boat for reasons because she can't just go to his office the next morning mm-hmm. or maybe later that night or his house that she probably could find out. It has to be now. I want to revisit this in Trip Talk. <laughs> um, and... I love that she goes to the bride and the bride's like, oh, let me be your ally. And like, yeah, well, because she doesn't go to the bride. The bride recognizes. Oh, her yeah. From the bride the goes for her. And yeah. I, I like that as like an ironic twist. It's a good ally. Yeah. Allyness. And, you know, confessions are made. Kisses are had. And the movie ends. The movie ends. Great, great end wedding scene. Because normally the end wedding scene doesn't have to happen. Right. Where it's like, okay, just tell us they got married. But like, for this character, it does. Like a like a legally blonde, it's like, oh, and they got married next year. It's like, good, cool, <laughs> good for them. I didn't need to be told. I just figured, you know, eventually uh, one day, happily maybe. ever after. Yeah. I don't need to be... But this, it's like we see the wedding, and we see all twenty seven bridesmaids. Yeah, that is and, so essential. And maybe like because I like. At, at one point in time, Catherine Heigl and Malin Ackerman have it out and they fight. And Malin's mm-hmm. like, he's like the only good thing that I had going in my life. Yeah. And and I like some confessions are had there. Yeah. It's good. And you know? we, we see Malin Ackerman talk to Ed Burns and she's like, uh, let me introduce myself for the first time to you. And it's I'm going to be honest with you. That is great character development. I never got that from Catherine Zeta-Jones. Sure. I mean, because this this movie does care about its characters mm-hmm. is the thing. And like, I don't like Malin Ackerman's character until that point point yeah like she's a she's a character but i don't like her as a person right and then when she does this i'm like you two are living in your own rom-com right now and i like that that exists within this one yeah and 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 ultimately i just love the last shot that the katherine heigl's faithfulness in these friends paid was rewarded and she made all of them wear the dresses from their weddings and i think that's just vengeful and wonderful (laughs) yeah and i think it's a good great message of like have each other's back, everybody. Yeah. Have each other's back. Yeah. Because it's it's a tricky thing that this movie is telling us of Katherine Heigl's character is, is she a pushover? No. She, she grits through things mm-hmm. and she will suffer through things, but she has good intentions behind that suffering. I, yeah, and and I do, but I do think at one point in time they do make a point where James Marsden is like. Just practice saying no. Yes. And she's not good at it. So I think, I do think she's a little bit of a pushover, but I think this movie is saying that's not all right. she is. And that's, that's how the art of like writing character weaknesses of like giving them a weakness where it's like, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't think you're pathetic. I get why you're like this. And I'm like this too in my way. And like, let's, let's try together to be better about this. For you, it's saying no more. For me, it's not eating that taco. <laughs> That's sure. my big character yeah. okay. is too much tacos. Yeah, yeah, too many tacos. That's a flaw. Uh, but it's it's that kind is it of a flaw? like <laughs> it's that kind of character development that I think is the best and is just emblematic of really good writing. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know what else is emblematic of really good writing? Hmm. Tropes. Hey, welcome back to Trope Talk. It's like block talk because ah ah, ah not today. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that, Zangief? Who are you? No, that's um, Takebe Mutombo. <laughs> no, 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 no. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Not man. in my house. No, no, no. <laughs> Thanks, uh, ESPN, for those wonderful commercials. Not today. <laughs> Some of the best. Well, Ryan, what's the trope we're here to talk about today? Uh, uh, uh. No, no, no. no. That's right. It's called... <laughs> 
this has to happen right now. Right this second. The I must have you now or I'll never have you. This happens in this genre all the time. It's we have to have sex now because the moment feels like it. It's I have to run and tell you I love you now, now because if I don't, I'll think about it for a couple seconds. It's always predicated off emotion. Yeah, and sometimes it's earned, like when Harry met Sally, Harry goes after her and has a really fucking good line to justify his run towards her, and it's like, all right, you pass. And I think, honestly, in some circumstances in life, in in reality, this is important, because I do think that there are these moments that we build up as humans as being transition times. And if you lose someone on the other side of that transition time, maybe they've lost interest in pursuing something with you if there's some sort of division. Like, I want to go to When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. He, like, I, I forget the reason why he goes and finds her on New Year's Eve. Somebody makes, like, a comment to him, right? Like, he just knew that she was there. I think that's it. He was just spending the night alone, and he's like, I don't want to be alone. Yeah, well, yeah, he realizes he doesn't want to be alone, yeah. right? And... Like that's Harry's whole thing is he's never wanted to be one for commitment. He's he's like, as he says at the beginning of the movie, he is fine and ready for all the bad stuff to happen. Right. Yeah. And this like creates a character who doesn't need someone. Right. And then he realizes, no, he does need Sally. Mm -hmm. And so it's New Year's Eve. Like who knows what's going to happen on New Year's Eve? She's alone. She could find the next love of her life because everyone kisses on New Year's Eve. It, yeah. And. Like uh, I, I believe that these emotions perfect. <laughs> it is. It's the best. I believe that these emotional moments do not believe in destiny. Uh-huh. Because if two characters were destined to be together, it doesn't matter. You can go find them another time, right? Mm -hmm. It's these characters who are running to make sure that of all the fifteen different perfect people that this person could be with or thousands of people that this person could be with that you're that one because you're showing up mm. you know it's an interesting prospect because i was thinking about it because you know in the end it was sarah who asked me out she asked me out while she was in chicago and i was in portland she was going to be back in portland within two weeks mm -hmm. she could have waited to call me to see me in person to say let's meet up when i'm back no she texted me that night we were watching lord of the rings return of the I king i remember i was there she texted me and was like yo this is happening and I was like yo did she ever tell you what spurred that she was talking to her friend jesse and jesse like sarah was thinking of asking me out for a few weeks mm -hmm. before she went on her trip to chicago she talked to her family and she's like what do you guys think about me dating Ryan? Mm -hmm. And they're like, sounds good. You seem to be into him. And she was like, okay, I think I'll do that. I think I'll do that. And then she goes on this trip, this school trip, and she's talking to her friend, Jesse. And Jesse's like, why don't you do it now? Yeah. And she's like, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I loved that she did it now. Because you guys were talking as well during that point in time, right? But I was <clears throat> wanting to ask her out, but I was still really unsure. <coughs> I was still like not confident. I was like, I got a 50-50 shot that she'll go out with me. And even then, it, I'm, I'm not sure where things are going to go. Sure. When she asked me out, I'm like, it's on. It's on. It is on. Mm -hmm. And I loved that. So I loved being pursued not at the opportune time or the, it, the convenient time. 
Well, so you I mean get... not at the convenient time? Well, yeah, because, yeah, 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 yeah. Because had she waited, then who knows what would have happened? I could and, have been going out with someone else by the time she got back. And and usually that that doesn't necessarily mean an end all be all. We get this in our in these movies all the time. You waited, somebody goes out with somebody. That doesn't mean you won't be with them in the long run, but it does complicate the issue. But nonetheless, I I, I get it because I feel it in my heart that she did it when she did it. Right. So right. I get mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And so. Again, this can be really corny and it can be like like the end of a lot of these movies. Let's just here. I'm just going to I'm going to go through our movies. If our movie doesn't have that, I'll be surprised. <laughs> From the beginning, Notting Hill. Check. Uh, yep. <laughs> Princess Diaries. Uh It's it's a race to the It's yeah, it's, it's it's a race there. to the party. It's there. Yeah. He's he's at, he's at the dance while you were sleeping. Um he meets up with her. Bill Pullman, her goes with the family, and oh, yeah, he goes down, really picks her up. Roman Holiday. Uh, no. No. That's a it's sad insane. ending. Kate and Leopold. Uh, yeah, because she, yeah, she runs, she runs to, to, the to the past. past. <laughs> God damn it, James Mangold. Um, okay. Uh, before Sunrise, no, because they say goodbye to each other. Uh, imagine me and you. Yes. Before she leaves on the plane. Yes. She could have just called her. So good. But at that point in time... She's in Europe. Who knows what could happen? Exactly. Right? That makes more logical sense. Father of the Bride doesn't matter. Father of the Bride matters. Two very weeks much. notice. Um yes. Yes, she chases him down the sidewalk. And he chases her down. Yeah. As good as it gets. Uh yeah. Yeah. Uh <laughs> why can't I just have a normal boyfriend? Not Brokeback Mountain. To all the boys I love before I can't remember the end to all the boys. She goes to the lacrosse field. That's right. She goes to the lacrosse field. She meets him. Because it's important to do it on lacrosse field. Lacrosse field. I think we've made our point. Yeah. So it doesn't happen in every movie, but like these... And we were just talking about the end of movies. Like this happens amidst movies sometimes too. Like Mm -hmm. you have characters who decide to have sex mainly because it's the right moment. Yeah. Right? When you're singing electric boobs to each other, it's time. Can I tell you what? I thought that's what the lyrics were (laughs) until I was like 17. That's great. Yeah. It's relatable. It's good. My mom had to tell me it wasn't. It's like, no, Kelly. No. I was like, oh. But electric boobs is just so much more evocative yeah. than electric boots. What is an electric boot? I mean, I'd be scared of electric boobs. You don't want to get shocked. Like, well, oh! I just imagine like it's they're pulsing with electricity. They don't actually shock you. Oh, okay. Unless they shock you with how beautiful they are. <laughs> or wait, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's the trope this week. It's it's a good one. Look out for it. Mm-hmm. It's in these movies all the time. Um, well, I think uh, amongst the amongst amongst yeah amongst amongst the tropes, you'll also find amongst them a golden sword award to reward. She a blessing from the Lord. God be praised. The Golden Sword. So I I talked before about the like uh, the Dion Warwick scene. Yeah. Um, in that movie, when when during our episode, I was like, the weird thing about this is everybody seems to know the lyrics perfectly to this song. It's karaoke. They have it on the screen, Kelly. No, they don't. <laughs> it's not karaoke. They're just sitting around a table. Uh, wait, which in one? my best friend's wedding. Oh, that song. Oh, yeah. I was thinking of the other karaoke song. 
No, oh, no, no, yeah. no, no. The, there is a lot of singing in that movie. There is a lot of singing, yeah. yes. But in this movie, everybody gets the lyrics wrong. And there's something I relate to very in perfectly because I, it's not that I get all the lyrics wrong, but there are certain songs where Robin will be like, what did you say? <laughs> and I, it seems just so like it really centered the world in this this sense of fun realism. And so I think that moment where everybody gets the lyrics wrong and starts singing together, it just is it's talking about like, you know, people may not hear things or see things the same way but we can all just have fun together and uh-huh. i feel like that's what this genre does and i don't know it deserves <laughs> a like, golden sword i feel like when you and i go out to bars which is rare and infrequent and like once a year i hope it happens more <laughs> though soon but i feel like your dream is that you would go to a bar that would the night would end like that yes or like uh like a hobbit kind of way we're all on tables drinking and singing <laughs> yeah. together yeah and that's like my worst nightmare i'm like oh my god that's so much you would oh my god you here i'm gonna turn to the audience camera again um audience don't worry i turned off ryan's uh earbuds. he can't hear this uh he just thinks i'm saying something funny because i'm always funny but ryan especially in college was the one who would always dance and sing whenever there was a party and so I'm just going to I'm going to like come out of left field here and say that he's pulling all of our legs. But okay. I'm not falling for it. Parties are parties. Well, yeah, we'll get back to the uh, parties are parties. Bars at public locations are a different thing. Yeah. But if like imagine that everybody there is your friend because you got up on the bar and saying that's the difference is that I'm an introvert. I can't imagine everyone being there. Being I'm my an, friend. In, here, look. I, I don't know how you do it. You have this this quality that I, I can, assumes people are your friend. <laughs> Like I, you're like, hey, pal. The reason the reason is is because I'm secretly an introvert too, and if somebody hates me out in the real world, I can't handle it, and I go hide. <laughs> <laughs> no one would hate you. Um, I I know of one person. It's the person who cut my fucking internet line last week. What Whoever you are, I'm coming for fuck you. Was that about? I mean, so weird. I don't know who you are, and you know, I what? think it if, was a really clever raccoon. Yeah, I think so too. He's just like, <laughs> he's like, he's gonna hate this. <laughs> and if it was somebody who did it, that's fine. I probably deserve it. Um, my golden sword is God. James Marsden is so fucking cute. He in this is movie. that smile, right? God, just are you giving wow. it to his, aura? his smile? Just okay. it, yeah, it's just sense. He's charming. It shines as much as the gold from the sword. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that specular highlight. There's so many moments I feel like we're missing from this movie that were just like little good funny moments. Yes, yeah, lots of good moments. Yeah. Um, which we won't bring up because we forgot about them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I it's it's my first time seeing this movie and honestly, there's a lot of scenes in it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a sceney movie. Yeah, and that's that's kind of my problem with the movie too is that it just feels there there's just a bit of it that feels like a chore because You like, wanted more set pieces? Um in a way because like I feel like the movie kind of t- slams the brakes when Melanie Ackerman comes in like Hold on, we got to introduce her and like do a bunch of setup for her now. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, okay, like you set up like James Marsden in this cute rep, like tete a tete with them. Like, I want to go do that. And like, no, we have to do this thing. Like, ugh, okay, so I feel like there's a lot of like, and, and that's why this movie doesn't get a five out of five for me. It's like there's a lot of like going back and forth where there's a lot of things and there's a lot of wheels uh-huh. spinning. I'm just like, can I tell you something? Huh? I, I don't like most of the scenes with Melin Ackerman in them. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's her fault. I think the director just didn't care about those scenes as much. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, same and thing I think with this... the dad, because I don't think it's bad. I don't even think they're necessarily directed bad. I just think there's less care. Yeah. And I think um, it could have, this movie could have been a contender that it could have. It could have been what? <laughs> a contender. Thank you. I think it could have stood shoulder to shoulder with the great ones, mm-hmm. but because the direction wasn't quite up to snuff, direction was good, but not per- not the best. The screenplay was good, not the best. Has elements that are fantastic. Yeah, I I do think that there are there's 45 minutes of a movie in this movie that are, like are equal to those other. Yeah, movies. but then there's other just there's just fat and characters that I'm just like eh, this is not nobody's the- fat in this movie. <laughs> like they're all just there needed really to be more people. fat people. Uh, but there just was like things that's just not working as well, which is too bad because this movie. Is good and it is it on my shelf? I don't know. Should be, uh, but it should be on my shelf. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to happy to I own think it. More than Dear John, sorry, Channing or Tatum, the, or the other woman, uh, or we bought a zoo. Well, what can you do when you bought a zoo? <laughs> so there you go, um, uh, Kelly. We should probably talk about some um, shilling for for cash on our Patreon because we, we need your help, everybody. Oh yeah, please. Oh God, do we? Ryan, Ryan, and I have we've taken on too much this month. Besides our Patreon bonus episode of Gilmore Girls season four, I know we said that a lot. It's happening. It, I promise you. But it, Sarah was laughing at me. She's like, <laughs> "I'm like what?" She's like, y- y- "You understand how busy your life is, and you're the one who is making yourself watch a whole season of Gilmore Girls." I'm like, "I'm so behind." Dear, Sarah. dear our wives, we know we know we are we're, suffering. We're crazy. I know you're suffering, but we're suffering more. But we like Gilmore Girls. So yeah, we did everything everywhere all at once this month, though on the Patreon. And you're getting Gilmore Girl, Girls season four. It's happening. It I is. Promise. Guess what? Guess what? Won the poll. <laughs> Enchanted! We had a Disney princess poll. We did Enchanted, Beauty and the Beast, Tangled, and Little Mermaid. And Enchanted won. I've never seen it. You have. I'm mm-hmm. really excited. We got mm-hmm. some Amy Adams in the house. Oh, and, and some P. Demps. P. Demps. Mr. Yeah. McDreamy himself. Yeah. And so I'm really excited to watch that next week. Um, if you want to come check out that crazy site that is the <laughs> patreon it's patreon.com slash romcom gents and you'll find not only polls but our giant blog which is like just busting full of content at this point in time we have like probably 16 17 bonus episodes now yeah uh we got a lot good, there's good a, stuff there's a lot on there so come on if i were you and you have caught up like if you just started listening to us and you caught up on all the other episodes Maybe now's a good time to check out the Patreon. Totally. Because there's more content out there. You want to hear about Wonder Woman? We're talking about Wonder Woman. We do a deep dive into Wanna Wonder Want to hear Woman. about some Miyazaki? Oh, we got Miyazaki. We got some Miyazaki. You want to hear about Die Hard on Christmas? Hell yeah. That's what we did. Yeah. So anyway, come check us out. Again, that's patreon.com slash romcom gents. I think if you're going to check something out, though, you're going to check out the rom-com <laughs> I feel like I went a little very carry there. <laughs> Ha! Uh, rom-com Oscar. Best uh-huh. character Ooh. arc? Psychology? Maybe not arc, but I mean, rom-coms don't usually have much of an arc for their characters. They no. usually are people who aren't Learn in to love, fall in love, and then they're in love. Mm-hmm. And like Sandra Bullock uh, wanted a family and now has family. <laughs> she got a family. Um, and learned not to be abrasive. Good for her. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, this this had the best like psychology and like 
What what is the arc here? I recognize Catherine Heigl's character as someone who feels the need to help others mm-hmm. and feels the need to be to get out of other people's ways and her needs are not as important as others needs mm-hmm. and I see that in myself a lot. Um, I see that in Sarah a lot too, where I have to like remind her, I'm like, Hey, maybe Saturday you can take the day to yourself. Cause you're, I know you're not going to ask me for it. So I'm just going to do it for you. And I, I'm going to say, you're going to take the day off. I'm watching Theo all day. Please get out of the house. Cause you're not going to ask for it. I have to do this with Robin so much. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, you can have joy. <laughs> You don't have to be here to make sure everything is taken care of. Yeah, and I think like not that Robin's a homemaker. <laughs> just that's not what I'm saying. But in like when Harry met Sally, it's like she does her own thing. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Harry met Sally. They're like, look, this is Sally. She's high maintenance. Relatable, right? It's like to some people, sure. sure. Um, but I feel like Twenty Seven Dresses. You have a far more compelling character who is noble in what she does, but also needs to be go through the gauntlet of learning to say no and take care of herself uh-huh. and do what's best for her. And I love that it's in a romantic partner that pushes her. Cause you, I, I, I mean, I think this movie would agree. I think it's partially her fault that that dress got destroyed. Yeah. Like she, absolutely. She should have stepped in way earlier. She, she, I think she knows her sister enough to know that that's bound. Something yeah. like that is bound to happen. And I think that's life where we are in slow motion train wrecks a lot of the time where yeah. we should have, mm-hmm. we should have stepped up. We should have stood for, stood up for ourselves and did what's best for ourselves. And Ryan, not. are you talking about the United States right now <laughs> <laughs> for the past <laughs> six years? Yeah. But uh, just fantastic psychology. Totally, to like, I, I think that is a great Oscar. Yeah. Like I, you don't usually like craft your Oscar out of like an abstract concept, but mm-hmm. you did it so well right now. Thank you. Yeah, it's very good. I almost wanted to give this best chemistry. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there is there's something about these two actors where I think I don't think they would work perfectly with other people necessarily, but they do really well with each other, mm-hmm. and I do think. I bet James Marsden is one of those scene partners. Like, there's just something about the way he acts where I'm. I bet he gives you a lot as an actor. I would as a scene partner. I would love to make a movie with James Marsden. Yeah, I would I, have such a good time. Me too. Like he, he seems like a chill hang. Like the thing is, f- movie making is you want to have good people uh-huh. on set. Uh-huh. He would. He seems to be like I don't know. Maybe he's a dick, but. He seems to maybe be good that's people. why he's always acting with uh, inanimate like <laughs> yeah. CGI characters because he's just the worst. All right, who's on the call sheet today? Just James Marsden, huh? Wonder why that is, James. Some somebody covered in ping pong balls is just looks so sad. He's like, oh, God damn it. I bet it's not true, James. We're choking. You seem like a cool dude. Um, I think I'm giving this movie best slap. Slaps <laughs> are all over the place in this genre. You Usually, just got slapped. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's in the sense of you said something disgusting and I'm going to slap you and walk away. Uh, And this is just Judy Greer being a compelling best friend mm -hmm. where I'm just like, Judy Greer, you've inspired me to be better Mm -hmm. with a slap. Love it. It's so great. I don't condone violence per se. I condone this violence. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, Okay, so... 
yeah. So, so a needle pulling this thread, which will slowly unravel our next bit, bit. which would be tell me who you'd fall in love with. Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I've loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, I love, I love you. I know. I fall in love with? Uh, Who would I fall in love with? Yeah. James Marsden, man. Yeah. Catherine Heigl is a strong second choice. But I think James Marsden is just so charming. And I, yeah, you know, he's the guy who's like trying so hard to get to where he wants to be and makes the mistake of trusting his boss, who I'm just, I, I've worked at two papers. I don't know a boss. Was that par for the course? I don't know a boss who would run a story without your permission as uh, a writer. Not par for the course. I, 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 but then again, I've never worked at the New York Journal. Doyle would have done it. Doyle would have done it. <laughs> Doyle and um, Paris and Paris both would have done it. Paris would have gleefully laugh while they run it. Paris would have taken it, ripped it up in front of you, so you cried, and then been like, "Oh, don't worry, I already sent it out. I already ran it." So not only did I destroy it, but I also put it out there. Yeah. Anyway, so James Marston, he seems like a nice guy who is trying to do his best. And, you know, he, he was being underhanded, but also it's like, whatever, man, you're so beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wanted to go with Katherine Heigl, but the banter, the fun, flirty banter mm-hmm. was a little too little, too little, too late for me. Because sure. I feel like the true flirty banter was at the bar. And, like, he was he was bringing the flirty banter, like, right away mm-hmm. he's like i'm cynical but i'm fun too yeah and i'm like yeah you are and she's just like not having it and i gotta have i gotta have the fun banter right away which is why sarah and i just you know sure so i'm gonna go with judy greer yeah because that's a good choice because that means i'm i'm getting lucky night one. Oh yeah so, for sure so yeah you know yeah you got happening. that going for you but she's also good good banter and if she's not available then james marston but i want you to know that i think you deserve I think you deserve more than what you've settled for. I do. I think you deserve to be taken care of for a change. I I believe that. Okay, so what are we watching next week? We already said. Enchanted. Enchanted. We don't even have to go through the rigmarole. Do you want to make a poll? Nope. Next week you get the poll. All right. Well, uh, remember, audience, listen to After the Credits, and we'll tell you all about whoever that guy is that's in all these movies. Way to go, guy. And Ryan, I love you. Even I'd love you even if you did make fun of the fact that I, I have 13 tuxes that I rented that I don't have because I, f- I feel like I'd owe a bunch of money at mm. this point. But I, I'd love you even if you made fun of that in a paper, I guess. I love you so much that if you had a underwater scuba-style wedding, uh-huh. I would have done it too. Ooh. Yeah, that was a good montage. Or... Uh, or what would be worse? I mean, that's pretty bad. That would be hard. That would be difficult. The fact that nobody's dressed up as like a James Bond villain in that is is dumb to me. Yeah. But I think a skydiving wedding. That, that I love you so much that. I love you so much that I would die. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually. In a skydiving wedding. Actually, 
No. There's the limit. There's I the would, line. I would not do that for you. I would do anything for love, but well, I won't do that. <laughs> and this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. See you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. Okay, so let me get back to my website here. That would be IMDb. You might have heard of it. So Michael Mosley is the guy from the bar who's like, hey, I know that Elton John song. Um, also, just based on uh, his IMDb, he's also Michael Mosley the first. Is that like first cousins? Or because you, you have cousins, then first cousins, then second cousins? I don't know why. Anyway, so Michael Mosley the first was not only that guy, but he was the air traffic control dude from the proposal. But... Fast forward to today, and this guy has had quite a good run. Since then, he has been in, you know, I don't know, looks like 25, 30 different projects. But he's also headlining his own TV series right now called The Missing. Um, And I don't even believe it's out yet. I believe it is in pre-production, but it looks like a serious series. And he's the, you know, main character. And I think he might also headlined maybe not headlined, but was in quite a few other series like Criminal Minds, Titans, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Ozark, Seven, I don't know what Seven Seconds is, Fear the Walking Dead, that like miniseries sequel to The Rock- Walking Dead, or or maybe it's not a sequel, it's a sidequel. Sidequel, that's a, that's a fun word. Anyway, he's in a bunch of stuff. And so he's not only just that funny guy that's in a scene in rom-coms specifically directed by Ann Fletcher, you know? He's uh, he's his own person, and you should respect him. 